We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, Best Game Cox podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, March the 29th, 2021. Today's show, welcome to Sweep City, USA, as the Gamecocks take care of business against the Florida Gators this weekend, getting the sweep by scores of 9-8, to 4-1, to one, and 8-5, to five, folks. My, oh, my, how sweep it is. Great day to have a great day here on a Monday, folks. We're going to dive all into it. I'll give you guys my key takeaways. TSUS Series MVP, my slap dick of the weekend from the Florida Gators. Also, who's hot, who's not, what's next, folks, as I break down the Gamecocks Series sweep over Florida. Also, we got a lot to dive into with women's basketball as the Gamecocks are elite once again. Dawn Staley's squad getting the 76-65 to win over the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. I'll talk about that game. Also, break down what's next for South Carolina as they look to advance to the Final Four. Also, we got a ton to talk about in news and notes, guys, on the hardwood in regards to Frank Martin. The drama continues. Also, Keyshawn Bryant making the decision about his future. Also, guys, we've got your listener questions and We've got a fantastic conversation. Former Gamecocks right-handed pitcher Logan Chapman joined me for a great conversation, guys, one you're sure to enjoy. We've got a packed show here on a Monday, folks, so sit back, relax, enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company. And they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Or of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Guys, the show is brought to you by our friends over at my bookie. Guys, of course, March is here. The madness has officially begun. It's continuing to go on as we get closer and closer for the national championship game, guys. And it's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action 
with my bookie. Guys, it doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. My bookie has you covered, guys. You can sign up today at mybookie.ag. And when you do, use the promo code GAMECOCKS. Again, that's promo code GAMECOCKS to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. And guys, make sure you use my promo codes. They know I hooked you up again. That's promo code GAMECOCKS to claim your first deposit bonus. Guys, college ball, NBA, NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, my bookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting and with choices from thousands of lines and odds, you can turn any game day into payday. Guys, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Let's get it. We swept the Gators. Oh, it feels good. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome here to Monday. Hope you guys are all doing well. Monday, March the 29th, 2021, folks. As always, I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up Show, as always. And as you can tell, I'm fired up. We're fired up here on Monday, guys. I'm recording this just a few hours after the Gamecocks secured the weekend sweep of the Florida Gators. And God, how I hate Florida, guys. I told you last week, I'm not fond of the Florida Gators. I'm certainly not fond. It's like a different level in baseball, you know, with the history and with everything that's happened. I didn't even know the statistics going into the weekend, by the way, how long it had been since South Carolina had beaten Florida in a series, how long it had been since they had swept the fact they had never swept Kevin O'Sullivan ever. And the antics that happened over this past weekend and what happened on the field, which we're going to dive into in depth here shortly, just solidified my hatred of them. And boy, how sweet it was or how sweep it was, I should say, to watch the boys do what they did, guys. But again, we got a lot to get into here on Monday. We're talking baseball. We're talking women's basketball. We're talking Frank Martin. We got a great interview, guys. We got a lot to get into here on a Monday, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in again. I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up Show. As always, again, we have got a lot to dive into. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Hope you're all having a fantastic day, whether you're on the commute, you're in, in the office, you're in class, whatever you may be doing. Hey, you got the day off, whatever it is. You're enjoying the Monday in the city. Hope you guys are all doing well. First things first, before we dive into everything, guys, I want to point a couple of things out or just say a couple of thank yous, actually. I, I want to say thank you to everybody who came up over the weekend. Seb, what's up? Obviously, again, I was at all three games at Founders Park, and, and what a weekend it was being able to watch that series and, and experiencing that. But everybody that ever comes up, or especially this past weekend that came up, said hello, uh, showed love and appreciation for the content, the show, and, and what we do, and what I do with the Spurs Up show again. Thank you guys so much. Again, it, it means the absolute world to me. It's something I don't take for granted. I'm extremely grateful for it. Um, you know, it, it ranged from, you know, a kid that's actually a high school baseball player was with, 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 with his mom, I think, or his family to, to people that tune in the Daily Crow every single day to people that, you know, I, I know support the content that I see on, on a pretty regular basis at Founders Park, even the people that have helped me get my seats. You know what I mean? So 
to everybody I ever see at the games, especially this past week, and I just want to take five seconds to say thank you so much for the love and the support. It's it's a little overwhelming. It's crazy. It, it's a blessing. It's something I don't take for granted. Again, thank you guys so much because, again, you guys really make this what it is. You guys make this thing go, and, and you make it so much fun for me and so enjoyable. And and it's just something I don't want people to ever think that I take for granted. So thank you again so much to everybody who took time out of their weekend to reach out, to say what's up, to show love. Again, it means the absolute world to me. And thank you guys so much again for the love, for the support, for rocking what we do. Um, it's absolutely awesome. I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. With that being said, guys, we have a lot, and I mean a lot, to get into here on a Monday. You know, when you win, it's funny, guys. Again, you're in a better mood. You're in a chipper mood. Again, you have a lot of points to get to and a lot of things to talk about, again, with all the sports. What a weekend it was to be a Gamecocks fan. I mean, honestly, baseball doing their thing, basketball doing their thing. But, of course, we are going to start on the diamond. And, again, folks, without further ado, let's dive into a Gamecocks sweeping the fifth-ranked Florida Gators by scores of Friday 9-8 and 14 innings, Saturday 4-1, and then Sunday 8 to five. What a weekend it was. And like I told you guys, again, we'll go ahead and dive in my key takeaways. And again, it's funny. These might be a little bit all over the place. It's funny. I, I put notes here on, on a on a on a on a sheet, if you will. I put my notes down of things I want to talk about. But I, I kind of feel like when it, go, it comes to baseball, I kind of go in and out of thought and I talk about different things. So again, if I see them all over the place, I do apologize. But my key takeaways, the first thing is this. I could not believe the 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 facts of this series. When I heard it on Saturday, when South Carolina secured the series win, to find out that this weekend it was the first time the Gamecocks had won the season series over Florida since 2011, and the first time they had swept the Gators since 2006. I mean, unbelievable. Of course, it started on Friday night. I mean, wow. What a game. What a game Friday night. Hey, for those, by the way, for those fans that were in the building on Friday night that sat there through the whole thing that – that, uh, that watched that, that saw the walk-off, bravo to you. Honestly, bravo to you. I stayed until about the top of the 13th inning, and I'm going to throw her under the bus, and she already told me it's okay. But I brought Miss TSUS with me on Friday night. And you know what? She's a trooper. She toughed it out. We stayed the game for five hours. She said, Chris, it's midnight. We haven't eaten. I'm tired. We got to go. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I brought you here. We haven't eaten anything. We're both exhausted. I'm going to watch the rest of the game on my phone. So I was not actually in the building to see Colin Burgess's walk off. And again, if you guys want to rag me for that, it's totally fine. But you know what? Like I said, I was trying to be considerate, whatever. She was a trooper. She toughed it out. But again, that game Friday night, unbelievable, incredible. I mean, that game really reminded me a lot of the Clemson game earlier this season where it was just back and forth and the dramatics. And again, it felt like, at one point, I was like, dude, they might go all night. Like, we might not have a winner tonight. Um, you know, people forget because that game was so long. You know, early in that game, you know, Thomas Farr obviously struggling with control and command, and he walks the bases loaded, gives up two on top of the first, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God, we're down 2 nothing. Here come the fifth-ranked Florida Gators. What did we get ourselves into? South Carolina scratching out 20 hits. In that Friday night game, I think that's a stat that completely got overshadowed because of the nature of that game, the nature of the weekend, and how things went. The Gamecocks got 20 hits, including 10 hits off of Tommy Mace. Four innings pitched, 10 hits against Tommy Mace. Again, Mace, a guy who I think is a damn good pitcher. I think he's going to have a really, really good season, a really successful season for the Gators, and he's one of the top prospects, I think, in all of college baseball, certainly in the SEC. Um Man, I mean, what South Carolina hitters were able to do to combat that, to put up a four spot. But, again, 
that game, guys, jumping all the way to the end, because there's so much to happen in that game. We could spend this entire podcast just talking about the Friday game. You get to the top of the 14th, and Nathan Hickey, who I am going to go in on in just a little bit, hits that solo shot. And again, fans are thinking, oh, it's over. We lost. They go up eight to seven. I'll tell you guys, I don't know that I've ever seen, and I know this dude has already hit two walk-offs this season, so you may be thinking to yourself, Chris, what are you talking about? But I'm telling you right now, I don't know that I've seen a more clutch swing, clutch a B, at least in recent memory. Now, if we go back to the College World Series and we think JBJ and all that, but in recent memory, I have not seen many more clutch ABs and clutch swings than that of Andrew Eisters on an 0-2 count to tie the ball game. Like, guys, I'm sitting here, Recording this, obviously, Sunday afternoon, but sitting here on the Monday show, I'm sitting here. I still can't believe Andrew Eister parked that ball in 0-2. I, I can't believe it. I, I really, truly can't believe it. I mean, we're talking about a guy, you know, in Eister. You look at him on Friday night. Went four for seven. So, he got it back together. Had two RBI also in that game. But a guy that came in, you know, wasn't swinging it particularly well. Um, I, I would certainly say wasn't swinging it particularly well. Um, you know, was struggling a little bit here. Then, you know, I talked about him last week. I talked about him and David Mendham, what they need to do, need to get things going. And so, you know, I, I didn't exactly have sky high expectations. I wasn't expecting him to hit a solo shot, but to fall down 0 2 and to take that breaking ball right center and to park it again, it's still like beyond comprehension for me. And then, boom, you get Jeff Heinrich single in the middle. Boom, Colin Burgess double. You win the game. Again, it, it really quickly, I'll just say this, it speaks volumes to this team. The win-anyway mentality that I've talked about over and over and over again. The battle, the, the, the you know, there is no quit in this ball club. And again, that Friday night game, it reminded you of the Clemson games this year. It reminded you of 10 and 11. It reminded you of Florida game one, you know, in the 2011 College World Series final. An insane baseball game and I thought this team also guys moving off of Friday and the rest of the weekend I thought this team what you saw found multiple ways to win you know on Friday you got 20 hits hey on Saturday you didn't get 20 hits you got five but you relied on your pitching and defense and you won the game four to one on Sunday a little bit of a mix of both you know you had wind blowing out you got nine hits you had eight runs in that one obviously the balls were flying all over Founders Park and I talked about you know before that game started that hey Wind's blowing out. It's a great day to be a hitter in Columbia. There's a reason these guys love hitting at Founders Park. And sure enough, the Gamecocks hit five home runs. And you took advantage that way. And you rode a really good, really good bullpen. And, and you found multiple ways to win. And I know fans, you know, were really critical of, I guess, just count of baseball in general when you scheduled Texas and you had to go on the road to Vandy. And again, I, I talked about this last week. It's so funny how... The, the mindset and the mentality and things can shift and change like that in college baseball. It changes so quickly, right? right like right, momentum is a fickle mistress, like I've said before, and it comes and goes so quickly. And, you know, I know fans complain about those series, and I'm not saying it was a positive to go get swept at Texas. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it was a positive to lose two of three to Vandy. But I think what you're starting to see now is this is a team, and Mark Kingston mentioned it, that has been hardened by those games, that was hardened by having to go to Austin, that was hardened by having to face Kumar Rocker and Jack Lider. Because I saw a team that, you know, some teams might come in this series and think, oh, you know, big, bad Florida, they're ranked top five. They got this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. This team was unfazed. Like, they didn't care. didn't matter. I, I saw this team approach that Florida series just like you'd approach 
any other series. Like, it was just any, uh, any old series that you had at Founders Park. Any old series. Um, again, there's so many different directions you can go when talking about this team because so many things went right for these guys this weekend. You know, I feel like Mark Kingston and Skylar Mead are pushing the right buttons. Guys are getting hot at the right time. Guys are, are capitalizing on opportunities. I want to start on the bump, though. And I want to jump to the Saturday game. I, I want to give a quick bravo to Brandon Jordan because this was a guy early in the season, you know, I kind of questioned, said, you know, I'm not in the sense, I said I was a little worried about him, not in the sense that I didn't know he had this in him. Like, I, I always thought he was a really, really good pitcher, but kind of what we're starting to see with Will Sanders, you know, I just thought to myself, hey, if Brandon Jordan doesn't get it going here soon, you know, Will Sanders is a guy that could take his spot. Well, all Brandon Jordan did on Saturday was throw, I would say, the best outing of his Gamecock career. Seven innings pitched, five hits, gave up one run and wasn't even earned. He had one walk and nine strikeouts. I mean, the guy, and I saw counter pitchers do this all weekend, by the way, guys, which again, talking about guys on the mound, tip your freaking cap to these Gamecock pitchers. 45 strikeouts of Florida hitters. And this is a Florida lineup, guys, that all in the preseason, you know, the Gators were the unanimous number one team in the country in the preseason. We're picked to win the SEC. And all I heard all preseason was, this is the best lineup in college baseball. This is the best lineup in college baseball. Over and over and over. You struck them out 45 times. It's a bunch of guys right now on the mound. And again, giving kudos to Brandon Jordan. He's doing this, but I feel like everyone is doing this. It's a bunch of guys on the mound that trust their stuff, that have great stuff. You know, give, give kudos, by the way, to Mark Kingston. They have completely flipped this pitching staff in his time here. You know, when he first got here, yeah, you had some nice pieces. You had some nice arms. You had some guys who were capable. But, you know, now, I mean, I was sitting there with a buddy of mine, I think either on Saturday or, or, or on Sunday, and I was just saying, dude, isn't it just crazy how in college baseball now, everybody's throwing 95. I mean, everybody's got stuff like that. And, again, it used to be, you know, when Mark Kingston first got here, I was saying about that about every other team we played. You know, I wasn't saying that about South Carolina, unfortunately. We did not have those guys. We didn't have those horses. I mean, now South Carolina is just rolling out dude after dude after dude after dude that's just pumping, that has great stuff. And, again, Brandon Jordan, you saw him do that too. Did he do anything special? Not particularly, but he attacked the zone. He went right after Florida hitters. He trusted his stuff. He could throw all three of his main pitches for strikes. And that's really all it takes in college baseball, guys, even against the best hitters. Attack them. Go after them. Hey, the best hitter is going to get himself out seven out of ten times. When you trust your stuff and you're the aggressor, good things are going to happen to you. And, again, I think you're seeing that with this entire Gamecocks pitching staff. Again, 45 strikeouts for counter pitchers. 45 strikeouts. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to talk about this guy in just a little bit. But get this. You're talking about strikeouts. Judd Fabian. Which I don't know, you know, you guys tuned in, how much, how familiar you guys were with Judd Fabian coming to this weekend. You know, I, I talked about him last week. He was one of my players to watch for, of course, because this guy's a, you know, preseason 2021 when D1Baseball.com did their draft prospects for 2021 in college baseball. Judd Fabian is a top 10 prospect. Like, this is a dude people are talking about late first round, early second round. He has that type of projectability at the next level and somebody that scouts are really excited about. Guys, he was held 0 for 13 with 11 strikeouts. 0 for 13 with 11 strikeouts. That is getting the freaking job done. It's getting the job done. And again, 
you know, I know fans have had questions about the bullpen and what's the what's the weekend rotation look like, you know, especially now with the Sunday roll, who's going to be that guy. But I feel so good about this team on the mound. This team, the pitching staff is going to give you a chance to win every single weekend. And again, South Carolina is in a similar spot that I think a lot of teams in the SEC are in the sense of, you know, a lot of teams in the SEC have really, really good pitching. And the hitting is what comes and goes. You got to hope it comes more than it goes. Pause, by the way. But you got to hope it comes more than it goes. But I think even Carolina, it's like to the next level. You know, pitching sets the tone for everything, right? The pitcher has the ball in his hand. He controls the tempo of the game, which, by the way, I will say, speaking on the tempo of the game, after like a five-hour and 40-minute game on Friday night, wasn't it so nice to have like two, two-and-a-half, two-hour and 40-minute games on Saturday and Sunday? fantastic, by the way. Great job, guys. Just want to throw that in there. But anyways, the pitcher controls the tempo. He controls the ball game, right? He sets the tone. Bottom line, he sets the tone. And, you know, did Thomas Farr have his best stuff on Friday? Absolutely not. But hey, guess what? Did his teammates pick him up? Absolutely. I mean, you look at that Friday again out of the bullpen. Jack Mahoney threw a good inning. Danny Lloyd came in. He continues to throw really, really well. Andy Peters is unhittable right now. Julian Bosnick threw great on Friday and Sunday. You know, of course, all you needed Saturday was Jordan and Brett Carey, which, I mean, Brett Carey is just Brett Carey. I mean, you know, it's funny with Brett Carey, and I say this with all due respect, Brett Carey by far does not have the best stuff on this roster. Not even close. He's just a guy, though, that <laughs> he's comfortable with himself. He knows how to pitch. I mean, he's got good shit. Don't get me wrong. But does he have good stuff like Will Sanders' good stuff? No, no, no. He doesn't. He doesn't throw 95. He doesn't throw 96. But he knows who he is. He locates. He works off his pitches. He goes against guys' weaknesses. He attacks hitters. And he makes it work. And, again, Brett Carey just does Brett Carey things. And, again, on Sunday, I thought Will Sanders, starting in that Sunday roll, again, four innings pitched, only gave up two hits, gave up three runs, two earned, though, and, again, Gave up two hits. They were both home runs. You know, and it was a windy day at Founders Park, and he'll learn. He's a youngster. He'll learn how to combat that, of course, the hitter-friendly part that is Founders Park. But he had six strikeouts. Overall, I feel really, really good about the state of this pitching staff. And, and that does that's not a new feeling, right? We, we felt good about the pitching after even Texas and Vandy. Like I said to myself, again, I said to you guys, if you hit enough, you're going to win. Because these pitchers, this pitching staff is going to keep you in every single game you play. Every single series, you're going to have a chance with these guys on the bump. With that being said, guys, I'm talking about the hitting. Let's talk about the hitters a little bit. Let's talk about the hitters a little bit. I thought these guys did a phenomenal job. I, I just, you know, with, with the with the quality of arms you're facing, again, we talked about Florida. They feature power arms. And I think certainly what you saw, too, that, again, all due respect to them. After Tommy Mace, though, I do think, you know, if I'm a Gators fan, I'm a little concerned because I think there's a major drop-off after, after Mace with Leftwich and Barco. I, I, you know, I think Leftwich is pretty solid, but I, I, don't think, um, I, I don't think those guys are quite up the level that Florida would expect, and I don't think they're even near what Tommy Mace is at. And again, I was really surprised, you know, not doubting our guys' ability, but I was really surprised the way we just hit Tommy Mace all over the yard. I mean, this dude, 0-2 counts is just piping balls. And you're thinking to yourself, what in the world is going on? But again, it was done in a multitude of different ways, right? You, you found ways 
to be scrappy and get just enough done to get the job done. You know, you found ways on Sunday to ride the win and hit five home runs. Again, this is a lineup that the thing I like about it the most, it can beat you in a multitude of different ways. And again, a couple of guys that we came to the weekend wondering, okay, where are they at? Are they going to come back around? You know, people, people are talking about, you know, West Clark goes 0 for 6 with three strikeouts on Friday. Oh, man, maybe we should bump him down the lineup. Oh, man, maybe West Clark should be hitting the five or the six hole. Guys. Wes Clark is leading the damn country in home runs. That man is not getting out of the four-hole. I don't, I don't care if he goes O for the next weekend. Wes Clark is your four-hole hitter. And, again, he showed you that Saturday. He goes one for three, three RBIs. Really, it was the Wes Clark show offensively on Saturday, and your pitching picked you up. And then on Sunday, of course, he hits the bomb. He goes one for two with an RBI. Of course, the solo shot, the homer, he had a walk. Um, it just overall, guys, a – a team effort offensively, you know, and different guys doing it each day. I mean, Friday, you know, Brady Allen goes one for six. Sunday, he goes three for five with two home runs. The, the great thing about this lineup, it's multiple guys that can beat you. Josiah Seitler continues to swing it really, really well. Everything he hits is hard. Andrew Eister got it back going this week. And heck, David Mendham, old Davey doubles himself, I thought swung it kind of decently. You know, it's funny, and I hope David would laugh at this, but I was sitting there with my buddy, and I said, David Mendham swings the bat like a 50-year-old playing church softball. This dude just comes out of his shoes. I'll say that, too, by the way, on the hitting side of things. A quick note on Florida. Man, if you think we take hell hacks, Florida, my friends, that team takes hell hacks. That team has never heard of bunting. They've never heard of a two-strike approach. They've never heard. They, they've never heard of anything other than come out of your freaking shoes. And granted, I'm sure it's going to work a lot for Florida this year, and I'm sure they're going to punish a lot of teams. And obviously, they swept Texas A&M. But my God, I, I just, Kevin O'Sullivan, you might want to implement a two-strike approach to your guys. But again, it was a ton of different guys for South Carolina. Heck, even George Khalil. Even George Khalil. A guy who you know, basically got shit on all weekend by Carolina fans. And I get it. The guy's hitting 200. I, it's, it's very easy to be critical of him. He's not having a great year at the plate, right? We all get that. And I thought Mark Kingston did a really good job Saturday night after the game saying, you know what? He's our guy. Any offense he gives us, it's a bonus, but he is our guy. You know, he solidifies us defensively up the middle. And you saw him make multiple plays this weekend that every time he made them, I said, yep, that's why he's your starting shortstop. Right there, that play. That's why he's the guy. And then here you go. How about this? All George Khalil does, Saturday, gets a big sack fly in a key situation. Sunday, George Khalil clears the bases with an RBI double, gets two ribbies, and Carolina ends up winning by three. A huge moment in the game. So, you know, it was, guys, I will say, just one of those weekends where everything seemed to click. And, again, am I comparing this team to 2010 or, or 2011? Absolutely not. Again, we're only, what, 22 games in. South Carolina now sits 16-6 and six on the season, 4-2 and two in the SEC, right? We're 22 games into this thing, right? There's a long, long way to go still in this baseball season. But with that being said, and again, now you've won five in a row, I will say this. This past weekend felt like what 10-11 and 11 felt like in the sense of, Every single time there was a big moment, every single time there was a key situation, we came through or things worked out for us or the ball bounced our way or the baseball God, gods shined on us. And again I, again, I think one of the reasons that's happening, 
I think one of the reasons you're seeing that, again, this, it's because, number one, this is a quality ball club. There are good players in this team, no question. But it's like I told you guys last week after you won that Sunday game against Vandy. If you've been in the game and around the game and you understand the game, you believe this. You're going to go through ups. You're going to go through downs. It's just part of the game. You're going to hit adversity. But what you also know and believe in your heart of hearts is if you keep battling, if you keep fighting, if you keep scratching and clawing and you keep a positive attitude, good things eventually are going to happen for you. Good things are going to happen. And when you catch momentum, right, when you get it in your dugout, you keep it there. And momentum is certainly on Carolina's side right now, 5-0 and oh, since that Mark Kingston ejection. Yes, I'm going to count, count that Sunday game. I saw some others on social media saying 4-0. Oh, hell, I'm saying 5-0. and oh. Since Mark Kingston got ejected in Nashville on Sunday, you're 5-0. and oh. And, I, you know, how much credit should that really get? I don't know. I think certainly Mark Kingston did light a spark in this team, though. And it was just one of those things that this team just needed something to feel good about again. And you got that win Sunday. And then you got a big midweek win over the Citadel on Tuesday. And all of a sudden, you've won back-to-back games. And you had a big opportunity at home against the Gators. And boy, oh boy, did you more than take advantage of it. You know, this team right now, this team has a formula. It does, and it's working. It has great pitching. It's doing just enough offensively. And guys, like I said again, going weekend to weekend, I think this is a pitching staff. This is pitching you can take anywhere. You can play with it at home. You can play with it on the road. And I think you're going to have the pitching every single week. And the question is going to come down to, can you hit enough? Again, that's college baseball, though, all across the board. Every team is fighting to keep its hitting consistency and, and, and hitting consistently enough to win weekend in and weekend out. But Mark Kingston, Skyler Mead right now pushing all the buttons, pushing all the buttons. And again, you capture momentum. When you get momentum, hold on to it. And this is a team that feels really, really good about itself, what it's doing. Again, I think offensively back to that too, because I know people had a lot of questions about the, the approaches and, oh, we're just swinging to hit home runs. I do think you've seen the, the approaches improve. I really do. I, think, I don't think there's been some some wholesale change, if you will. I really don't think there's been that. But I, I will say this again, guys. I really do believe going through the fire of Texas and facing Ty Madden and going to Nashville and facing Kumar Rocker and facing Jack Leiter, like Mark Kingston said it. And again, I agree with him. I think it hardened this team. I, I think it really did wonders for this team to see that type of pitching. Because like I told you guys after those years, you're not going to see anybody better. You're just not. So as good as Tommy Mace is, right, as good as all the Gators pitchers they threw this weekend were, none of them are as good as those guys you faced. And, you, hey, you saw that with Jack Leiter. Hell, he's thrown 16 innings in SEC ball through two weekends. Has not given up a hit, folks. Like, those dudes are legit. We weren't just talking that talk. Those dudes are legit. So, again, I thought Mark Kingston made a great point when he said, I don't know if it was on Tuesday or when he said it, but he basically said, you know, when things are going well, you tend to feel probably a little bit better than you should. And when things are going poorly, you probably tend to feel a little worse than you should. And do we as Carolina fans, you know, and I won't say this team, I, certainly, I think this team is locked in and focused. I think this team is laser focused. It's, it has leadership. It's not going to let itself get full of itself. It understands. It's trying to go 1-0 and every single day. And I think that's certainly the formula. I think that's certainly the, the culture and the attitude they've adopted. 
But, you know, he makes a good point, right? It's just human nature. You're going to feel a little bit probably better than you should when things are going well, a little bit worse than you should when things are going poorly. But I'll say this. It's hard after this weekend not to feel great about where this team is, about the momentum they have built, what they showed you this past weekend. And again, you know, does Florida have issues? Certainly. I don't think they're a perfect ball club by any stretch. But still, that was the fifth-ranked team in the country. And I picked you to win two of three. I've known this is a quality baseball team all throughout the season, through the highs, the lows, through whatever. And it's crazy the streakiness, right, of this team this year. You won 11 straight. You lost six straight. You've won five straight. Like, it's just crazy how streaky this team has been to this point. But it's hard not to feel really, really good about where you sit right now as a ball club. Because, hey, you went through the gauntlet. You fought through Texas. You you fought through Vandy. You took advantage of a home series against Florida. And now guess what? You've got two very, very winnable series upcoming. And I don't want to sleep on them because every weekend in the SEC is a challenge. Anybody can beat you. But after sweeping Florida, you know, you feel pretty good about that road trip to Athens taking on Georgia this upcoming weekend. You feel pretty good about the next weekend hosting the Missouri Tigers who just got swept by Vandy and aren't weren't projected to really be anything, really be a threat this year in the SEC East. You got momentum on your side once again, folks. I, I could just really see this team. Again, you're, you're continuing to build confidence. I don't think this team really ever lost its confidence, but you're continuing to build confidence. You're continuing to feel good about yourself. And again, still not a perfect ball club. They still got things to figure out. Again, Roles need to continue to be established. You know, back to the pitching side of things. I think Brett Carey's role is very well established at this point. I know the question was, oh, is he going to start Sunday? How are they going to use him? And I told you guys, I just did not see any way South Carolina wasn't going to use him on Friday and Saturday. Because I thought to myself, you know, I think the Gamecocks are going to be in position to win a ball game. And if they are, you got to go to him. Again, Saturday, going to Brett Carey, no-brainer. No-brainer. You got a chance to clinch the series at home. You got two innings left. You throw your guy out there, and he was magnificent. And again, I like Will Sanders in the start, Sunday starter spot. You know, I, I think that he is a prototypical weekend guy. And I've told you guys before, I think he's your Friday night guy next year. Like, he's that good. He's throwing an effortless 95 miles an hour, folks. That's something you just can't teach. You, you cannot teach that. Got a wipeout breaking ball, got a plus change up, got command, got mound presence. He's got moxie. And again, this is a kid that's 18 years old. He's got it right now. So things still have to be defined on the pitching side of things in a sense. You know, the hitting needs to still continue to evolve. But, I mean, just a picture-perfect weekend. You you couldn't have dreamed up a better weekend for Gamecocks baseball. You won in different ways. You got the series sweep. Again, now you're 4-2 and in SEC play. And all of a sudden, everybody's excited for baseball again. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't want to be petty. I don't want to be petty. But I do kind of want to be petty. Nah, everybody's excited for baseball again, right? Like, like I told you guys, there's ups and there's downs, and, there, and, and, there, and there's momentum shifts, and there's positives and there's negatives. And we're, we're all on cloud nine right now. You know, this thing's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But Gamecock fans, you have every right to feel giddy, excited, elated. Because that was a huge, not just series win, but sweep. That was huge. That was huge. It had been big just to win two out of three. And again, I, I think it shouldn't be understated how big it was to win Sunday, to win yesterday's game, you know, because they all count, you know. It could be that one or two or three game difference 
that's the difference between you hosting a regional, you and just going to one. You know, what seed are you in the SEC tournament? Things like that. That, t- that type of stuff plays into it. So, again, a great weekend for Counter Baseball. We've got a lot to be excited about, guys. This is a, this is a good ball club, you know, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, after one series at home, whatever, you know, make proclamations of Omaha or this or that, but I've said it all along. I said it in the preseason. I'll continue to say it. This is a quality ball club. And, yes, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. That's the nature of this game. But at the end of the day, this is a quality ball club. And if you cannot see that after this weekend, you just might be blind or you're ignorant. But this is a very high-quality ball club. And, again, one I think fans should be very, very excited about as we move forward through through this thing. All right, let's move, guys, into TSUS Series MVP. And this one was not easy because there's a lot of guys that I thought had standout weekends, um, you know, both on the pitching and hitting side of things. But this guy that I'm going to give it to is someone that I think his impact goes far beyond the stats. I, I really do. Goes far beyond the stats. And especially, you know, this was a position in the preseason that was affected by injury. And so depth became a concern. Depth became an issue. And you wondered, like, man, like, how is the workload going to be handled? How is this one guy going to be able to do it all basically on his own back there? And the guy I'm talking about, my TSUS Series MVP for this weekend, is none other than catcher Colin Burgess. Colin Burgess, 6 for 14 on the weekend. He hit 429 against the Gators, had one home run and two RBIs, but of course, had the walk-off on Friday night. And again, the impact that I'm talking about, that going beyond the statistics, and what he caught all three games, and he caught all three games beautifully for South Carolina. I mean, again, I-, I could be wrong statistically, I maybe remember one ball that was a breaking ball that got away and a guy advanced. Other than that, I mean, this dude was perfect behind the plate. And we continue to talk about the Gamecocks pitchers and how great they've been and and just, you know, we see the numbers, right? We see the numbers and what they're doing. Do not forget about their battery mate because it takes two to tango. (laughs) When it comes to the pitching staff and it comes to what they're doing, it takes two to tango. You got to have a good catcher back there. He's the captain of your infield. He's basically the captain of your team. And so what Colin Burgess is doing for Carolina baseball right now, and it's funny, I got on Burgie a little bit, and, uh, you know, I, I got on him a little bit, the who's hot, who's not last week, and, and uh, Burgie was in the who's not. You know, we, we, we talked about he hadn't gotten a hit in like 23 ABs or something like that, and I guess I went and pissed him off because the dude swung the, swung the shit out of it this last week. I don't know. I, Burgie, am I, I, you know, hey, I'll keep saying you suck if, if you want me to do that. I mean, I, I don't know if he's tuned in. But anyways, the impact Colin Burgess had this weekend, again, the walk-off on Friday, the home run on Sunday. But again, the impact to me, it goes so far beyond those numbers. It goes so far beyond those numbers in the sense of, you know, what he's doing for this team behind the plate, being a leader. And he's still a young guy. You know, he's still a young guy. He was a true freshman last year. So he's technically, I guess what, like a freshman because of COVID. But a young guy that, that has stepped up to me as a leader, ha- has been a wall back there behind the plate. Again, is somebody that is really doing a good job of, of taking care of these pitchers because, believe it or not, there are sometimes they're a little bit of head cases. They, they need to be taken care of. They need to be patted on the rear end. They need to, pay, need to be told, hey, here we go. We got to get going. And Colin Burgess is doing that for you. I think he's doing a fantastic job. So, again, my TSUS series MVP against the Gators, Colin Burgess. Now, Let's move into slapdick of the weekend because this award has taken on new life, folks. <laughs> I mean, 
the, the, the script really just writes itself. The jokes write themselves when it comes to the slap dick of the weekend. You know, this is something I kind of started the award as sort of like a joke more than anything after I, you know, said what I said against the Citadel and what they did. And, and you know, it kind of carried into Texas. I'm like, oh, okay, well, it can apply here. So we'll kind of make it a thing. It has taken on, like I said, a life of its own. Because the slap dick of the weekend, it's, it's crazy. I don't think we've ever, I know for a fact, we've never had this where you have an early leader in the clubhouse for the award on Friday. And then someone just like at the Masters, just like at a golf tournament late on a Sunday down the back nine, somebody else tries to come in and steal it away. But that's what happened this weekend. So, again, it's not even slap dick of the weekend. It's slap dicks of the weekend. Because, of course, it started on Friday. Let me set the scene for you, folks. Top of the 14th. Julian Bosnick is on the mound. None other than freshman Nathan Hickey is at the plate. Nathan Hickey goes yard. I mean, absolute bomb to center. Got every stitch of it, right? And I was sitting, by the way, guys, for two of the three games. I sat down the left field line, okay? I sat down the left field line surrounded by students, you know, because, of course, COVID students are just kind of sitting wherever, right? People are just sitting wherever. So students are scattered all over the stadium. So I'm sitting down the left field line. There's a ton of students down there. And I want to say this, by the way, before I even get farther into this, kudos to the Gamecock students. Kudos to the Gamecock fans. I thought the chirping game was on a billion this weekend from – Chanting Tommy Mace's girlfriend's name. That was cold-blooded. I ain't gonna lie. Even for me, I thought that was a little cold-blooded. But <laughs> doing that, calling him Tommy Dirt, the throw it in the dirt crew, which I know that uh Dirt Heckler on Twitter would be very proud of those gentlemen and those people that were that were saying that. But the Tommy Mace thing to throw it in the dirt to getting on Chuck, the third base coach. My God, Chuck got an earful this weekend. Uh to getting on Kirby, the third baseman, to the left fielder, Jacob Young. All around, I thought our fans did a fantastic job of heckling and chirping. And I'll say this to people that don't like it or say, oh, you know, I saw some people saying, that's not my South Carolina. Oh, you know, listen to them. They're, they're saying this, that. Guys, heckling is a part of the game of baseball. And if you can't handle it, you're not a ball player. Which is going to bring me to my next point. Because Nathan Hickey hits the solo shot, right? We all saw the video. Grabs his freaking dick as he's rounding, coming to third base to the students. Guys, the baseball gods never miss. They never miss because I'm pretty sure Nathan Hickey went like one for eight after that the rest of the weekend. And, of course, about 15 minutes later, the Gamecocks walked it off. So they got the last laugh. The baseball gods took care of their business. But then on Sunday, things got even more interesting for this award. And like I said, it was just like the Masters back nine on late on a Sunday coming down the stretch. Kirby McMullen, who I just mentioned, the third baseman, and Colby Halters. I believe the second baseman, both infielders for the Gators. I, folks, one of the wildest things I've ever seen. I, again, I'm down there left field line. You guys saw me on TV, by the way. I got some more FaceTime, which was really, really cool. Um, I was with my good buddy, Alex Costantino, by the way. Shout out to him because we had a blast just, just talking shit and, and, and watching the boys do work. But either way, we're standing down there post-game, right? We're, we're enjoying, hey, we just swept the Gators. We're feeling good. And the students are still all down there. Well, Florida's leaving the ballpark, right? And 
it felt like it happened like that fast, like in two seconds. Apparently, Kirby McMullen and Colby Halters did not appreciate the heckling and the jawing from the South Carolina students all weekend. Literally, they walk out of the dugout and like immediately, immediately are looking for a fight. And again, there's probably a group of, I don't know, 30 or 40 USC students kind of gathered up like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, like talking crap, right? Whatever. But nothing. And I'll say this, too. I did not hear anything this weekend that was like over the top. It was nothing outrageous, nothing outrageous at all. Okay. It was all in good fun. It was all good, classic, clean heckling. At least I thought so. And Kirby McMullen and Colby Halters, both Gators players, both Gators infielders, come up to these dudes. This is post-game. And are like getting in their faces like, yo, you want to go? You want to fight? You want to meet me in the parking lot? You fat F. You, you know, you're an effing P word. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say those words here on this podcast. We're going to try to keep this thing family friendly. I mean, it got hostile like for a second. You're like, oh my God. And, of course, we posted the video, the video we could get on social media. And, again, I'm sure at this point you guys have all seen it. But it was insane. And then, of course, you had uh, Rivera, the shortstop. I, he was fine. I, mean, I don't care. He did, like, the little chirping little hand, whatever. I, whatever. You want to do that, that's fine. But the way Kirby McMullen and Colby Halters acted, dude, you guys have got a lot more road trips this season. It's only going to get worse. And again, people can say, oh, you know, I, I don't like our, our students doing it. I love them doing the chirping because it obviously worked. These dudes, I mean, you're letting these guys get under your skin that badly. Again, if you cannot handle chirping, some lighthearted chirping at that, you're not a ball player, bro. You're not a ball player. It's your job to ball. It's their job to give you hell. And again, I know they're college kids. I get it, but like, still, you're playing at this level. You know that fans are going to heckle you. And I think, again, one of our big storylines going in this weekend was, hey, Florida hadn't played a game outside of the state of Florida yet. Florida has played 19 of 21 in Gainesville. How do they handle going on the road? And they didn't handle it very well. And I thought that was a microcosm of it. So, again, my slap dicks of the weekend, plural, Nathan Hickey for his antics on Friday. No doubter. And again, I thought he was going to be the, the, the easy winner here. But after Sunday, Kirby McMullen and Colby Halters, hey, y'all two can join him. So Hickey, McMullen, and Halters, your slap dicks of the weekend. It's a no-brainer choice. Do better, Florida. D do better. Kevin O'Sullivan, get a hold of your boys. Because again, I'm sure they've got to go to Ole Miss. I'm sure they got to go to Wherever else. I mean, it's only going to get worse. They're only going to hear worse shit from, from opposing fans. And to the Gamecock fans that heckled, that, that were, were chirping all weekend, hey, bravo to you. And keep it going because that's the type of hostile environment. That's the type of, that's the type of intimidation we need at home. Because it obviously worked, like I said. You can say whatever you want. But, dude, and it, you know, here's the crazy thing. People don't even realize this. It started Friday night before the game. People probably didn't see this. I'm sitting again, like I said, down left field line. Tommy Mace is coming in. I forgot about this till just now. I can't believe it. Tommy Mace is coming in from the bullpen. Okay. And our student, you know, the students are starting to chirp. He's doing like the little talking hand, like the chirping hand. I mean, Carolina fans were in these dudes' heads before first pitch, even on Friday. 
and it got worse and worse and worse. So again, hey, you guys keep it up, man. You, you guys keep it up. Incredible. Incredible stuff. Slap dicks of the weekend. Nathan Hickey, Kirby McMullen, Colby Halters. Y'all can think about what you've done. And Kevin O'Sullivan, like I said, get a hold of your freaking boys. All right. I could spend all, all, all show on that. Let's move into who's hot, who's not, guys. Who's hot? I got to give it to Andy Peters, man. This is a guy that I think just needs some love, some recognition. You know, Friday night he had four innings pitch, one hit, zero run, zero earned, three walks, and five strikeouts. He pitched on Tuesday as well. Did fantastic. I, I mean, this dude right now, second year off of Tommy John. I just like I said, I wanted to give him some recognition because he it feels like he's unhittable right now. And again, does he move? Does he stay in that long relief role for the weekend? Does he slide into a midweek starter role? You know, does he compete for the Sunday job? I don't know. But, man, like, having a dude like this you can roll with out of the bullpen and the job that Peters has done at this point, it's incredible. It's unbelievable. And, I, I, you know, I thought Andy Peters was a nice piece for you. I can't say I expected what he's doing right now. I mean, it's, it's, it is lights out, shut down type of baseball right now. So, again, who's hot? Andy Peters. Who's not? Now, I normally stick with Gamecocks here. When I talk who's hot, who's not. But I'm going to break my rule this week because we simply cannot ignore <laughs> the weekend that Judd Fabian had at the plate. Guys, this dude went 0 for 13 with 11 strikeouts. 11. 0 for 13 with 11 Ks. I, I mean... And I, I didn't want to say anything. You guys may have noticed. I didn't say anything about it all weekend on social media because I was like, you know what? I, I really don't want to jinx it. Like, the guy's not hitting worth a shit. I feel like this is a dude that could break out any second. So I'm not going to be the guy that, that's tweeting about it all day Saturday or whatever, and he goes off on Sunday and it looks stupid. But now that the series is over, and now that the Gamecocks have swept them, dude, I mean, Judd Fabian, what on God's green earth? How much money did Fabian lose this weekend? I mean, honestly, it's just wild. So, again, who's hot, Andy Peters? Who's not? Judd Fabian, bro. 0 for 13 with 11 strikeouts. What's next for Count of Baseball? You got the midweek game tomorrow night against Gardner-Webb at Founders Park and then the weekend series at Georgia in Athens. Should be a good time. Should be a lot of fun. Again, anytime the Gamecocks and the Bulldogs play in any sport, it's a lot of fun. But again, a very successful weekend, a great weekend at Founders Park as the Gamecocks sweep the Florida Gators, move to 16 and 6, 4 and 2 in the SEC. And I know the D1 baseball rankings and the 11.7 rankings and all of our buddies, all the rankings will come out around college baseball today. I will be very interested and very intrigued to see where Carolina baseball is ranked this week. That should be intriguing for sure. All right, let's move to the hardwood, guys. Let's talk Don Staley's crew. Ho-hum, no big deal. Women's basketball advancing the lead eight. They beat Georgia Tech 76-65. to And again, I want to stress, I don't say that like in any disrespect. Obviously, the games are really, really important, and it's great what they're doing. But like I told you guys, I don't worry about Don Staley's team. I, I just flat out don't. You know, getting to the elite eight is like, me waking up and brushing my teeth. Like, it, it's a given, right? It, it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen no matter what. Now, you're probably on Tuesday going to play either the winner. It's going to be the winner of Maryland and Texas, and I'm recording this before that game happens. So, who knows? Who knows who you play? We have no idea. That could be interesting. I know a lot of people have picked Maryland to beat South Carolina, but to this point, worrying about Don Staley's team? <laughs> no, no, no. 
You, you got the wrong one, guys. It's not going to be me. Again, 76 to 65 win, ho-hum. Team statistically, you shot 56% from the floor, 57% from three. You know, you held Georgia Tech to 46% from the field, 50% from three. But you know what? The last game, you won with defense. This one, you went offensively. This team can beat you in multiple ways. You look at statistic, the, the statistics, Zaya Cook was 17. Letitia here with 15. Aaliyah Boston with just nine. I mean, you didn't even get a crazy game out of Aaliyah Boston, and you still won the game. And you won it by double digits. Victoria Saxton with 12 points. Overall, again, this team just keeps rolling. Bottom line, they just keep rolling. And again, Tuesday night, I believe it's going to be, you're going to play the winner of Maryland, Texas. That one should be interesting because I think most of us assume it's going to be Maryland and Maryland, a really, really high-quality opponent. But again, a chance to go to the Final Four for Carolina basketball and Don Staley's crew. Again, are any of us surprised? No, we're not. Keep it up, ladies. Great job. All right, let's move into news and notes, guys. And sticking on the hardwood, but on the men's side, I tell you what, the Frank Martin drama, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just insane. And in the Frank Martin, the Frank Martin drama just continuing to unfold as, you know, again, we've heard things back and forth. He's gone. They're forcing him out. They want him to find another job. This, that, whatever. It comes out on Friday. From Sports Talk SC, according to a source, over the last 48 hours, the sentiment has shifted to Martin remaining as the Gamecocks head coach, largely due to the pressure exerted by some state senators on USC's administration and the Board of Trustees. As things look Friday afternoon, USC apparently will retain Martin unless Martin himself decides to step away from the situation or he finds another job. And then Sunday, I posted this from the Post and Courier. It says USC is seeking to bring back Martin to Colonial Life Arena for a 10th season next year. Sources close to the situation confirmed to the Post and Courier on March 26th. Although any agreement would have to address Martin's contract buyout. The coach's hefty $6.5 million figure was enough reason this weekend to discuss keeping him in Columbia. And if you read that piece on the Post and Courier, it gets really, really interesting on the discussions with Bob Caslin and state legislator, Lacher and, and, and senators and all these different people, all these, all these you know, important people, if you will. I, I honestly, honestly, it's a complete shit show. The the only here's the thing, Uncon, and I said this on social media, unconfirmed. Frank Martin's back, but you know what is confirmed that this this basketball program's a mess. It's a flat out mess. Because how bad of a look is it to have a coach where we're basically saying, hey, we actually we don't want him back, but we just don't want to pay the buyout, so we're gonna bring him back. Because of that. I mean, what a terrible spot to be in. What just a horrid, horrific spot to be in. And I don't know the solution. Again, if I was, I told you guys, if I was Frank Martin, I'm getting the hell out of there. I'm getting the hell out of there. I really am. Of course, we've heard, you know, and, and do we hear anything this week officially from USC or Frank Martin? I have no idea. But I really hope there's a resolution to this thing sooner rather than later because it's just getting ugly. It really, it's just getting ugly. It's getting embarrassing. Like, figure it out. Somebody be a grown adult and figure it out. Either get Martin out or commit to bringing him back and, and try to put on a brave face and try to put on a united front for everyone to see. Because right now, I mean, your program just looks like a joke. 
So I, I don't know what happens, guys. Again, hopefully we hear something official. Hopefully we hear something concrete this week. But, I mean, it's just a complete nightmare and a complete mess with Frank Martin. Also, guys, a quick note on the hardwood. Keyshawn Bryant officially declaring for the 2021 NBA draft. He, however, has not hired an agent, so he does have the option to come back. So, again, you know, if he wants to, he can still come back. Whatever, going to test the waters, if you will, the NBA draft. Does he come back? Does he go? I think a lot of it will depend on what happens in the future of Gamecock basketball because I think most of us agree that, yeah, he could probably benefit from another year. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But, all right, guys, let's go ahead and move to the listener questions. We actually got a couple of voicemails, and then we'll jump into your questions. We're going to start here with a buddy of mine, Tim. He left this on Wednesday. Tim, I apologize for not getting to it till just now. But uh, let's go ahead and roll with these voicemails. Hey, Chris. Sorry it's been a while since I've called in. Um, just wanted to say you've been really rocking and kicking it with the content. Featuring the baseball goodies and, you know, <laughs> thank God the basketball, uh, men's basketball, mercifully, graciously came to an end. Uh, but I wanted to focus on a tweet or a little poll you put out the other day asking, you know, about since, you know, spring football practice finally started, kind of see what Shane Beamer's first team's going to look like. And you asked what position battle we were looking forward to, QB, RB, or DB. And I commented on it, and I wanted to say my biggest thing is wide receiver. You know, with the loss of Shai Smith, you go to receiver. we got to have somebody to step up, whether it's Jalen Brooks, Kerry Joyner, or Trey Smith coming back. you got Chad Terrell, Randrickus Davis. Can they stay on the field? Can they stay healthy? you got a bunch of freshmen that either played very, played very little or maybe redshirted with Rico Power, Colwell, Wyman. You got some newcomers coming in. So I'm anxious to see who takes the step, who emerges as a go-to target for Luke Doty or whoever ends up playing QB1, right? I think we already know who RB1 is. Yeah, but I'm anxious to see who takes that big step. So that's all I got for today. Uh, Talk to you later, Chris. Hey, Tim, appreciate you calling in, man. Always appreciate the voicemail and the banter for sure, man. Thank you so much for the love and the support. and. And everything else, man. Appreciate it. But, uh, no, great question, great voicemail. You know, I, I definitely agree with you on the football side of things. Um, you know, the wide receiver position. Yeah, you got to have somebody step up. I mean, you lose Shy Smith. And, and uh, you know, we, we've heard a lot about, you know, Ortre Smith's look good and Randrikas Davis and Chad. Like you said, got to keep guys on the field. You got to stay healthy. I'm not putting unrealistic expectations for a guy like Ortre Smith until he can prove to me that he can be healthy. But who's it going to be? You know, who's going to be that go-to guy? I tend to think it's going to be a Marion Brown, the transfer from Georgia Tech. But you think of guys, like you said, like a Jalen Brooks. I mean, you know, like a Xavier Leggett. We forget about him. Like a Josh Van, like a Dak Joyner. I don't think there's a lack of options. And what type of impact can Justin Stepp have? Can Marcus Satterfield have? Of course, can Shane Beamer have? You know, Beamer has actually sounded pretty high on the water. But then again, it's spring practice. It's preseason camp. Everybody's positive and optimistic about everything. So whatever, you, you can't take much away from it. But can this staff flip the wide receiver room? You know, can can, can you find production and 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 I wouldn't even say production. I'd just say more consistency out of that group because I think most of us, I think most of us think there's talent there. 
but we haven't seen the most out of it for whatever reason. So hopefully this group, hopefully this staff can get it out. But again, great, great question. Great points, Tim. And thank you so much for calling in. Let's go one more voicemail, like I said, guys, and then we'll get into your listener questions. Yeah, this is the throw of the dirt guy. Um, I'm just calling in to, first off, say what a weekend. My God. I mean, it is just absolutely amazing to see the hits going. I mean, 20 hits Friday night is, I would almost say, unheard of in SEC baseball. Um, but the the I think the main reason I'm calling in is just to address the complaints on the heckling. I mean, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that any Carolina fan would complain out loud, at least, about other Carolina fans actually being involved in the game. I get, you know, not liking hearing uh, 20-loud, 19-year-old guys just sit there saying the same stuff over and over again. But that's part of baseball. That's especially part of SEC South Carolina, Florida baseball. I mean, you've got the Vanderbilt Whistler. You've got those three or four guys in Arkansas that said the same two or three words over and over. Um, and for you know, five years, I was sitting there doing the throw the dirt, dirt thing and doing whatever I could to get uh, their pitcher or their batter messing up. I mean, I went as far as to contacting players just to make sure I wasn't messing them up. And, I mean, to hear it from fans on Twitter saying things like it's pathetic that these 20-year-old kids are yelling, it's just ridiculous. I think, uh, I think thinking like that, is what makes people not like us as fans. It's absolutely ridiculous that people would bring that up on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think those fans, those loud, to quote that guy on Twitter, obnoxious fans, are one of the reasons we won that game. The 12th man exists. And in South Carolina, it's the crowd. All right, great stuff, great voicemail. You know, I, I feel like we just checked off something on my bucket list to have throw it in the dirt guy call into this podcast. Um, I honestly, this is incredible. This, this is this is a it, this is this is a highlight for the Spurs Up show. So throw it in the dirt guy. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, I've followed you on Twitter and I've seen you on social media. I feel like for years on years on years, and I'm sure many of you. Again, know who I'm talking about, and if you don't, you're, you're truly missing out because Throw It in the Dirt guy does a fantastic job and uh, talking kind of baseball and keeping everybody involved. But, uh, yes, Throw It in the Dirt guy, thank you so much for calling in because, like I said, I, I, this is a true honor. It's a true honor to have you call on the show. But you make good points. You, you make good points. You know, fans that were getting upset about the heckling, and, and there's certainly a line, right? Like, you got to be creative in your chirping and your heckling, and, and you can't get personal and be just downright mean, right? That's the point. But I didn't really hear anything that was over the top this weekend. And like you said, the point is that it worked. I talked about it went all the way from Tommy Mace in pregame Friday to Sunday when these dudes were trying to go after the South Carolina students. I mean, it worked. It worked, and you got the sweep. If it works, don't change it up. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
You love seeing the fans involved. Again, it's not a wine and cheese crowd. It's a crowd that's going to be involved and going to be going to be hostile. And, you know, I, I, I think that's great because I, I don't know that our park sets up as hostile as some of the others out there like Ole Miss or, or Mississippi State or Arkansas. You know, we have more of what feels like, at least to me, a, a professional ballpark. You know what I mean? It feels like a minor league park, whatever. But that doesn't mean – it can't be intimidating and intense and, and tough on the opponent. And I thought our fans did a great job of that. And again, if you're a fan on social media that's complaining, like I said, there's a line to be drawn for sure. But like he said, it, it's baseball, guys. It, it's part of the game. Heckling and, and, and chirping, that's all part of the game of baseball. Again, lighten up a little bit. That's what I'd say. Just try to lighten up. Enjoy the game. Have fun. Have fun in the fact and knowing that, you know what, honestly, like he said, that chirping and that heckling, I think that's honestly one of the reasons South Carolina came out victorious this weekend. So, hey, guys, everybody that's listening that was doing that, keep it up. Keep it up. You guys are, did a fantastic job, played a big part. Again, the 12th man did its role, did its job this weekend. So, yeah, throw it in the dirt, guy. Thank you so much for the call. Definitely call in more often, man. We'd love to talk baseball with you. All right, let's get into your Listener questions from Instagram, then we'll jump in this interview and call it a day. Uh, the camera Cassie says, the boys looking good. Indeed, they did. Uh, Davis underscore Ledford, favorite Gamecock sports memory of all time. Oh, that's tough, man. I mean, I, it's got to be in person. I mean, I think winning back-to-back 10 and 11 was incredible. Uh, in person, football-wise, I mean, 2013 Clemson was unreal. 2014 Georgia was unreal. Being there, 2012 regionals against Clemson to walk it off. LB Dancers walk off was incredible. I, there's just you're putting me on the spot. There, there's there's way too many memories to count. To be honest, there's way too many memories to count. But there's been a ton of good ones. Um, Krusty Andy, are we a top three SEC baseball team? Why or why not? I just think it's early to say, man. I mean, listen, you're talking about the Arkansas, the Mississippi States, the Vanderbilts, the you know, I think we're right there. I think we're certainly top five. I think we're certainly top five. We've got the pitching to be one of the top three, no question. It's just, do you get enough consistently out of the hitting? But we, we've got it for sure. So ask me in a couple of weeks. Trip underscore zero five, do you think we climb back to the top of the East now in baseball? Well, I think certainly we're going to move up the, the standings. There's no question. Uh, Austin G underscore 45, is George Khalil good enough defensively to justify his lack of pro- offensive production? Uh, the answer is yes. And Mark Kingston made that point. And also, hey, you saw Georgie break through on Sunday, so maybe he'll get on a hot streak. You never know. Last look, or excuse me, last question, and it comes from Bidden Smitty 2017. Bad look for USC with money being the only reason to retain Frank. I, I mean, I agree. The, the basketball program is a complete mess. It, it's a shit show. I, I don't know what the answer has been. I, I really don't. I, I wish I had a better answer for you. But, uh, no, it's it's certainly not a good look. You know, when you think about it, it's, it's already hard enough to recruit here. It's already hard enough to win here. When, you know, when you feel like your, your head coach is a dead man walking, which is basically what he is because, you know, even they bring him back, they'll say we're committed to him. It's a one-year contract. It, it's tournament or he's fired, right? It, it, that's what it is. So, I don't know how this thing plays out. I don't know how this thing works out. It, it, it's But it, it's a mess. It's a mess. There's no question. You know what else is a mess, guys? When you don't handle your junk correctly with the right tools for your family jewels, what a perfect segue, by the way, into our Manscaped ad read. Because, again, guys, flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and it's time to mow your lawn. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can trim the hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. Guys, I'm talking about the ball trimmers, right? Manscaped, the global leaders in men's blow-the-waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use the promo code TSUS. Again, that's promo code TSUS to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. 
Manscaped.com. You got guys, join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. And oh, by the way, yours truly is one of them. They are here to make sure your balls are smooth and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring cleaning. Guys, again, spring is sprung, and Manscaped has the best tools to get you ready. Guys, again, we've all been there, right? Like you're, you're trimming yourself, you're cutting yourself, you're getting ready for a big date. You're just trying to take care of yourself, and you cut yourself. You nick yourself. You bleed. It stings. It hurts. No bueno. No good. Leave that in 2020, guys. Manscaped are the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. Guys, this legit package has precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and will help you unlock your confidence and best self this spring. Guys, the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, it comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine, guys. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce shaving accidents. And guys, Manscaped obsesses over technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, and they only use the best ingredients in their formulations. Guys, get this. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant moisturizer. Guys, it's starting to get hot outside. It was hot as hell in Columbia this weekend, so it's crucial so your ball stops sticking to your leg. That's the worst. And as our treat, you'll find the Crop Reviver, which will keep your ball smelling fresh just like spring flowers. Guys, and on top of the lawnmower 3.0, and formulations, Manscaped has thrown in two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which, again, I swear by, guys, I use this thing all the time, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. Your comfort is going to be next level all over. Guys, again, this is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TSUS at manscaped.com. Guys, again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code TSUS at manscaped.com. Com. Guys, it's spring cleaning, and your balls will thank you. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools the job. Guys, again, thank you so much for tuning in. Now, we got a great conversation. Enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks right and a pitcher, Logan Chapman. All right, joining us in the Spurs Up show has been the pitch for Gamecocks baseball in 2018. While in Columbia, he went 3-3 three and three with a 5.85 ERA, started 14 games for South Carolina as a true freshman, 60 innings pitched, and struck out 55 batters, guys. He also helped lead the Gamecocks the 2018 Super Regionals. You remember that team was just a game away from Omaha. He's now currently pitching for the North Greenville Crusaders. There he's 4-2 and two with a 3.38 ERA, 37 and a third innings pitched, and 33 strikeouts, guys. Very pleased be joined by former Gamecocks running pitcher and current crusader Logan Chapman. Logan, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. And like I said, off air, it's kind of crazy because you and I feel like I've been interacting for like two or three years on social media. So maybe this has been a long time in the making. But seriously, man, thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate you doing this. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, glad to be on. It's been like, like you said, it's been a long time coming. Uh, but I, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I was like, dude, kind of be pretty cool to you know, like get on there and talk to Chris a little bit and, uh, you know, see what this is all about. But I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I think I was DMing you back when we had like 200 followers, maybe. <laughs> like like <laughs> literally. Oh, literally. Yeah. So, start. Start. yeah, it's been it's been one hell of a ride. But I, I want to go back even further than that, Logan, for the beginning for you, because, again, you're from Easley. Or you went to Easley High School from Liberty, South Carolina. Um, you were a guy to high school drafted in the 36th round by the Cincinnati Reds. And obviously you were a a standout prospect, if you will. Just talk about the recruiting process for you. And I think it's interesting, again, because when you were getting recruited and obviously you went to South Carolina, you know, they were going through a coaching change. You know, Chad Holbrook got let go. And I'm sure because baseball recruiting, it starts so early. 
you know, I'm sure for you, you'd probably already made that decision, you know, years prior. And I'm sure that something kind of threw a curveball to you. You got there, I guess, what, fall of 2017 is is when you would have gotten there. But just talk about the recruiting process overall for you getting drafted. You know, what, what how did that factor in your decision and why did you eventually choose to uh, to become a Gamecock? Yeah, I mean, being straightforward, the decision was very easy. You know, I had uh, my cousin, Elliot Caldwell. He played there yeah, yeah. Like years before I got there. And uh, my first off, I got my first offer from the Citadel. And that was kind of the, it sparked a lot of things. And then, you know, Clemson, Clemson and Carolina kind of followed up that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after, after I left the office uh, with my visit from South Carolina, I was pretty much like, yeah, this is where I want to go. You know, I want to be in Columbia for the next four years. And the decision was very easy, you know. I talked to a lot of guys. I know Joey Pancake uh, very well. He grew up playing with one of my cousins. And talk, after talking to him, you know, finding out, like, that's a great place to play. And, you know, it's honestly one of the best scenes in college baseball. And I was like, absolutely. Like, it's like that's where I want to be for the next four years. How, how weird was it, though, for you coming in with the coaching change that happened with Chad Holbrook and obviously into the 2017 season? was really rough. You know, you talk about that season and the ups and downs and – I think they had a season really similar to you guys in 2019 where just injuries hit and it just felt like felt like you were just on the wrong side every weekend. It came down to Sunday. It felt like every weekend and every weekend South kind of found a way to lose. And, you know, because you look back at that 17 team preseason ranked top five in the country and you look at the talent of Clark Schmidt, Will Crow, Adam Hill, Destino, Tyler Johnson, like you just keep going down the list and it's like, a lot of guys that are still playing right now that were on that team. So there was no lack of talent, but whatever the expectations are, they are at Carolina and there's a coaching change and Mark Kingston comes in. How, how, again, how weird was that for you coming into South Carolina amidst a coaching change? It was, it was definitely like something that I didn't think I was going to like have to adjust to, but I mean, like, like that was as easy as the decision was to go to Carolina. You know, I was actually on campus. I went there for the summer of 2017 and I was on campus when uh, Kingston got there and you know from the start you know he was great you know he like like called everybody let us know I think he called everybody individually and you know talked to us individually and let us know the plan let us know the expectations and it was like there was no doubt that you know I still wanted to be there Mm. for sure I'm curious because again you're you're not really going to have reference I guess to the changes and how much difference it was from Holbrook to Kingston if you will but I, I just think to you know, obviously, of course, we're talking right now. South Carolina just swept Florida. So everybody's just high on every, everybody. Think King, thinks Kingston's great today, right? You let a, you know last weekend that the, the verdict was different. The weekend before, the whatever. We we all get how baseball fans interact. But overall, I think what's in- interesting about Kingston Logan when he got here is that he revitalized. I felt like a couple of guys' careers, like especially on the hitting side, like Madison Stokes. I mean, that dude. You know, well, he was an okay player, but had an insane year. Gets drafted. I mean, a guy like Justin Rowe. I mean, other dudes at the plate. Was there a noticeable mindset shift? Or, I mean, did he just kind of come in and embrace, I guess, the expectations overall Carolina baseball? I mean, we know he's, like, analytical and he has his way of doing things. But, I mean, was it just kind of business as usual you felt like? And this is sort of the expectation it of was, with that. That's pretty much, like, kind of a good way to explain it is, like, as soon as he got there, you know, from the first team meeting, he brought an energy that we knew, you know, this was serious, you know, this go time. And, you know, like, we're not playing around. We got – expectations to live up to and he just brought a certain aroma that we knew that you know like we're about to get after it and it was gonna be you know we're gonna end up having a good year like we did mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of hard to explain because it was all like an energy kind of thing but even, even other coaches you know it was that energy that they brought every day that you know I think was a big factor in the success that we had 
Now, now for you, Logan, as a true freshman, um, you obviously pitched a ton as a freshman, ma- made a big impact for South Carolina. And I think of you, and you know, I think Carmen Majinski was a true freshman with you also. So you guys had some really talented young arms. Again, what do you feel like the transition was like for you from, from high school to the SEC level? Because, again, it's, it's the best of the best. I mean, we're – we're seeing now, you know, I've had people joke with me and say they say the SEC is like playing double A. I mean, it really, it really is the best of the best when it comes to talent wise. I mean, how do you feel like your game adjusted to the SEC? And what were some things when you got there you felt like you kind of had to like elevate a little bit? Uh, definitely utilizing other pitches, you know, in, in high school, obviously, like I was a guy that I didn't throw overly like hard, but I could sneak it by guys when I had to. Right. And when I got to college, that was a, like, you can't get away with certain stuff you do in high school, throwing mm. low nineties. Mm. And so I had to figure out how to throw a change up, figure out how to throw a breaking ball for strikes. And that transition was probably the biggest thing that I noticed. And I think starting off throwing midweeks was a big help. You know, I, I think I had for half the season, really. Um, the first half of the season, I started throwing on midweeks. And then the second half is when I transitioned to the SEC. And going and even that, like that transition from the midweek to the SEC was a little different because, you know, mistakes I would get away with uh, throwing to the mid-major schools, you know, throwing to the SEC hitters, you know, they hit them all the way. Right. <laughs> I, th- I, I think every home run that I gave up in the SEC was back-to-back. I gave up a lot <laughs> of back-to-back home runs. Uh, but, you know, it was fun. It was a blast. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. But, like – it was it's a weird adjustment uh, to say the least, mm. but pretty much like having to throw every pitch for a strike. Mm. For sure, I, I switching gears a little bit, Logan, because you mentioned velocity, and, and again, this is kind of just a, a random thing. But again, I, I'm coming off of watching South Carolina, Florida this past weekend. I want to ask you again as a pitcher right now. Again, your course you're pitching at North Greenville, still in college. I mean, it, dude, is it just? I mean, I, maybe I'm crazy, but like it's crazy to me to watch college baseball, and it's like everybody's throwing 95 like it's in, I mean I know it's the SEC it's the best everybody's like you know well it's the best conference I'm like bro everybody is throwing 90 like it's insane it's crazy yeah. to me everybody throws hard you can't even you can't even throw at that level if you don't throw at least 92 93 you, you can't compete yeah. almost it's like that's it's weird man it was kind of like that when uh when I was there you know we had guys well we had guys that were running up there, like Cody Morris, Adam yeah. Hill, and that. But, dude, it's everywhere we went, they had a guy that was throwing mid, sometimes high 90s. And I think yeah. whenever we went and faced Arkansas, uh, their closer, Matt Cronin, hit 100. Yeah. It was just unreal to see, like, that type of velocity in, in college. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's crazy. So, you, you get into we'll, – we'll jump into your freshman season, though, Logan. You get into your freshman season. Just just talk about uh, your memories from that first time you take the field at Founders Park, because again, like I said, it sounded like you were you were a Gamecock commit for quite a while, and probably something you kind of grew up wanting to do. Pitch at Founders Park, you get to put that uniform on and, and pitch out there, and again, it's Mark Kingston's first season. But for you personally, what was the adrenaline like? Adrenaline like? What were the emotions like? And what do you remember from that that first outing out there? It was, dude. It was honestly surreal. Uh, uh, the first outing I had was actually against BMI Open a weekend. I came out of the bullpen. Uh, and I knew at some point that I was going to get to come out of the pen that weekend, but I didn't know when. And so that anxiousness was like with me the entire time until they called down to the pen. I was like, get hot. You know, you're coming to you got the next inning. And at that moment, it was kind of like, here we go. You know, it's make a break now. And, you know, I warmed up, went in, 
And when I stepped foot on the game mound, I kind of stopped for a second, mm. just look, look, looked around. I was like, this is the Palmetto Games. Last yeah. time I pitched <laughs> on the mound at the Palmetto Games in high school, I was like, this is not the Palmetto Games. Yeah. And it was just – the excitement was unreal. And, you know, hearing the crowd, you know, some of the best fans in the country mm. and just – the I've never had that much adrenaline flow me flow through me in my life. Mm. It was it was crazy, and it was something I I literally will never forget. And I remember like after that after that game, you know, I uh, went up to my dad and I just like started crying because it was it was crazy. I was like I never like thought I was gonna get here. You know, something like playing Division One baseball, like playing in Founders Park, you know, uh, some of the best ball our best baseball scene in the state and country. I was like, dude, I never thought I was gonna get here, mm. but it was. It was honestly, it was just unreal. Now, obviously, Logan, you you were locked in and focused on your craft and everything. But to have guys like you mentioned, Adam Hill and, and Cody Morris, and you know, I think Eddie Demarius, and, and there were other arms on those teams. Have guys like that to kind of pick their brains and, and learn from them. And I think again, that eighteen season, you know, Adam Hill and Morris shoved. I mean, they they were, you know, obviously they're still doing it, right? So, how, how much were you able to take away from them? How beneficial, I guess, was it for you to kind of? And again, as the pitchers, you know, you all compete and everything, and you push each other to be better. But those are two pretty good guys to, I feel like, be able to pick their brains and kind of, you know, try to in, in ways, I guess, take things away from them and kind of model your game after. Yeah, I, I mean, Adam and Cody were great, dude. I think every like every bullpen that they threw, I sat there and watched because you know. They were the two, like they were obviously the two best songs we had, mm-hmm. and even like every chance I got to ask them questions, you know, ask like what what they think in this count, like what they think in this situation, and they were like they they never like shot away from it. They were always there, like tell like hyping me up, you know, like tell me what they thought and uh, like their mindset going into it. I think uh, like right before the SEC, my first SEC start, you know, Adam came up to me and he was like, he was like, he's like, you got this. He's like, you got some of the best talent. Uh, that we got he was like just go out there he said do your thing dude he's like they can't touch you and like that cut that coming from him was like a big a big uh thing for my confidence like my confidence went through the roof after that I was like you know if like far ace can like go out there and tell me that he was like then I definitely like I had nothing to worry about and that was I think that attributed to a lot of my success that I had mm-hmm. Now, that 18 season, Logan, obviously the infamous moment in that was the PC game. And I've talked to a lot of your former teammates about it. And that was sort of the moment where the season just shifted. Um, you guys, I don't know if it was that next weekend or when it was, but you went out there and swept LSU. And, and it just – it really turned the season around. Of course, you guys go through, win the regional, go to the Supers and all that. But, um, I mean, again, again, at that moment, that PC loss, things were not looking good, I, I guess, early on. Of course – you know, you guys hear the fans bickering and chirping and you see it on social media. And what do you feel like changed? I mean, obviously, I know Mark Kingston had to come to Jesus talk that we probably can't say here on these airwaves. But I mean, what do you feel like overall changed as far as the mindset mentality or or again, was it just as simple as, hey, we just got to freaking get our heads out of our asses and go do our job? Uh, honestly, I think that was a big like that's a part of it. You know, we stopped taking everything light or like teams like that lightly. Mm. And we just got after it after that. You know, that was a big wake-up call. I think that's something that we needed as a team. And after that, like, from that point on, there was a just – it was a different atmosphere. You know, it was a different energy around the ballpark. And uh, we literally just – that's pretty much – that's all there is to it, I think. You know, the energy just changed. And, you know, yeah, Keaston, you know, we had a come to, uh, come to Jesus meeting with him, and we just changed our entire mindset, I believe. Mm. 
Yeah, I, and I mentioned that LSU series, Logan. I want to jump to that one because, again, you had a hell of an outing in that one. Six and two-thirds, struck out six, only allowed two hits, no runs, and 11 nothing win over LSU. And I'd probably say, again, you, you could correct me if I'm wrong, probably your, your best outing as a Gamecock, at least to that point. I, I would probably say for the season. But what do you remember from that game specifically? Again, that was just, I feel like, you know, maybe, hopefully, I, I, sort of similar to what this past weekend was for South Carolina baseball with a, a sweep over a top five team. I, I just felt like that weekend served as such a spark for that year. And obviously, again, you know, led by your outing. What was clicking for you? What do you remember about that game and that weekend specifically? It's funny that I honestly don't remember a lot about that weekend. I think it was just so, like, I was so locked in that I, I really – I couldn't tell you what pitch I threw to this hitter. I couldn't tell you who I was up there facing. But <laughs> – uh, I do know that like that was just a weekend where, you know, we had that meeting and I was like, you know, I haven't been good enough. This hasn't been good enough. And I think I need to go out there as, you know, the ultimate like Friday guy. I need to go out there and I need to set the tone. And I, and I went out there and like had the best outing of my career. And uh, we ended up, you know, taking off at that point. Mm. And, of course, like I said, you took off in that season and you go to East Carolina and take care of business in the regionals. And, again, I think it's well documented with the the no dog pile. And, and you guys really expected to go in there and just take care of business. There were multiple heroes in that. You know, I think of Danny Blair and then Sawyer Bridges, what he did. Again, a ton of guys. Madison Stokes, I've, I've talked to all those guys about it. But going to Arkansas and, and you pitched there, um, just describe that because, again, Baum is is an insane atmosphere. They, they were obviously extreme – you know, probably should have won the national championship if not for, you know, a, a botched pop-up, if you will. But, uh, you know, you guys, if I remember correctly, I think the stat was you guys were the only team to beat them multiple times at home that year because you, you guys went there and probably should have won two out of three. I think, what, you lost two out of three there and, yeah. then, and then went back there and won game – what was it, game two, correct? Yeah, we uh, yeah, we lost two out of three during the season. Yeah, and then lost the first game of the super, and then won the second. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you had the you had the LT Tolbert, I think, grand slam in that one. Yeah, um, but yeah, you pitched there, obviously. But again, just talk about it again as as a true freshman in that atmosphere, and you know, it, it's just to a different level when it's super regionals, man. Obviously, the intensity, the energy in the air, and again, Arkansas, a really high quality club, but. That whole experience, I guess, in the postseason and being a game away from Omaha, and of course, you you don't get to the ultimate goal, which which is Omaha, but you had nothing to hang your head about in that type of season, especially with the opponent you played. But you got to pitch there. I mean, just going through that entire experience and getting on that stage. I mean, can you describe the like just what that roller coaster ride was like for you, dude? I'm like I'm getting kind of cold chills thinking about it now, but dude, that was the, honestly the just something I'll never forget. It was the greatest experience I've ever had, and I'm very grateful for. It. Uh, to have that opportunity. And uh, I think I, I came out of the pen that weekend in the Super, and it was just – I think that's the most nerves I've ever had because so many – I've never pitched in front of that many people. Yeah. You know, their, their fans were awesome, though. Mm. Um, but, like, you can never match that energy. I think that's something that, uh, you know, I'm, if I'm fortunate to someday pitch in big leagues again, then I might experience. Mm. But, uh, man, that's something that, you know, you'll cherish for – the rest of your life, you know, they, we got guys when we were, we were actually walking down the bullpen uh, in game, uh, the game I pitched in game three, we were walking down the bullpen, you know, we had their fans were just chirping at us the whole entire time. Uh, we asked, uh, this is something that I, I remember from that day that I'll never forget. And there was a, uh, an old guy up there that had a cutoff t-shirt and like big dude. And he was flexing at us 
and giving Rick Flair the Wick Flair uh, woo the whole entire time while we were walking down there. And that's something I'll never forget. You know, those guys were great. <laughs> no, it for was, sure. I, I think it was uh, Gilry told, or some, somebody told me, I think somebody threw like a Burger King breakfast burrito at Gilreath or something like that. He was saying like the most, most disrespectful thing a fan has done. I was going to say like, do you remember anything specifically from the fans? I know we were talking about chirping a little bit off the air with the Carolina, Florida, but again, their, their fans are, you know, they kept showing the guy on TV with the, the hog hat on, I think it was like pointing yeah. or whatever. I mean, they're wild. <laughs> they're, 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 wild. They're, they're crazy, but honestly, like it, in game, you know, that they, they were chirpy, you know, cheering for their guys, obviously right. the, like their guys, but after the game, you know, before the game, like the, the hospitality they showed was amazing. Right. You know, they're, uh, they're comp- they were competing just as much as, uh, you know, the other guys, the guys in the other dugout were. Yeah, for sure. So this is the part, Logan, I'm really interested to get into because after that season, you know, I, I know for me, from the fan side of things, I'm thinking, okay, Logan Chapman, weekend rotation, 2019, no-brainer. And as we all know, baseball is a lot like life where, you know, things don't always go according to plan. You're going to run into adversity. It's inevitable. And you certainly did that when you had Tommy John surgery and when, when you got injured. Uh, when did the injury happen? How did it happen? And I guess just, you know, what was going through your mind? Because, again, a lot of fans hear that and they're like, oh, you got Tommy John, no big deal. Everybody comes back. And it's like, there's not as big a number as you probably think that come back. Yeah. And, you know, everybody thinks you throw harder. And that certainly happens in a lot of cases. But, you know, it's it's never something you're not hoping to go through that. Um, but just talk about, again, the injury. When did it happen? How did it happen? And I guess the, the, the mindset shift for you going from, I'm sure you were planning on, I'm going to be a dude in 2019 to now I got to focus on this rehab grind. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely, you know, something I did not expect. It happened the first outing that I had in a scrimmage the fall of 2019 is when it happened. You know, I went through the first inning, felt great, like felt fine. My velocity was fine. And then uh, they, in warm-ups, I threw a breaking ball in warm-ups and it just didn't feel right. I knew like something was kind of up, you know, my arms stiffened up a little bit. I think that inning, uh, my velocity dropped almost 10 miles an hour. Uh, I think I faced faced five hitters and I might've thrown one or two strikes to all of them, you know, that ended up rolling the inning. And like, that was the kind of point where I kind of knew like something was up. Mm-hmm. I didn't think, I honestly didn't think it was going to be, you know, that bad at first. I thought it, it was just like, like I could tweak something, maybe pulled something. Uh, but then that next day I woke up and uh, really like couldn't straighten my arm out. Right. And I called the trainer and I was like, yeah, like this is not good. I was like, we got an MRI and ultimately it was torn. And that was a big turning point in my mindset. You know, I had never, that was the first injury I'd ever had to deal with. And honestly, it was tough for me. It was a tough year for me. Yeah, and I was gonna say, how was the rehab? I mean, because I don't think a lot of people get to hear that side of it uh, about the the rehab and everything. Yeah, I mean, everybody's different. Everybody handles things differently. Uh, that being my first, you know, real injury, uh, you know, it it crushed me a lot. I didn't know what to do with myself really. Mm. You know, going from you know playing baseball my entire life to you know not being able to pick up a baseball for six months, not barely be able to move my arm for a couple months, and it really it took a toll on me, mm. but. And I ended up getting through my rehab um, without really any hiccups and, you know, got back to throwing. But it was, it was honestly, it was tough. And for me personally, it was tough. With 
the shuffling that happened in, in regards to new coaching and new players yeah. and all that. And again, everybody has a different path and there's, there's, there's more than one way to do it for sure. You don't have to be at South Carolina. That's the thing with baseball. If you're good enough, you can get picked up out of anywhere. And of course, I think you've shown that, you know, at yeah. North Greenville, like I said, pitching there right now, I mean, four and two, three, three, eight ERA, 37 and a third innings, 33 Ks. And again, North Greenville, you guys are a powerhouse program and, and Landon Powell's done a fantastic job with that program. I'll ask you first about Landon because, again, he's a Gamecock legend, and I think it's really interesting. You guys have built kind of – it feels like a, a South Carolina to Greenville pipeline. I'm thinking of Jax Cash and Jordan Holiday and and you, and, and there's others that I'm sure I'm leaving out. But uh, j- just talk about, you know, Landon Powell as a person, as a coach, you know, what it's been like building a relationship with him. Again, I know a lot of people listening are going to know Landon Powell, the Gamecock legend, but not many of us know Landon Powell, the head baseball coach. Yeah, he's great, man. Uh, you know, like, I feel like everything happens for a reason. You know, I ended up in North Greenville for a reason. And, you know, the relationship that I've built with Landon and the coaches up there have, you know, been a testament to that. You know, he's great. You know, he's, we, you know, we get after, we go out there and get after it every day, but each, like each and every one of us has a great relationship with him. Like we know that we can come to him with anything. Like we, in the office, like before practice and stuff, like we go in there and talk to him and like have this conversation. He encourages that, mm-hmm. you know, He's like he's just a great dude all the way around. You know, he we don't call him Coach Powell, mm. like he we either call him LP or Landon, and it's like that with all the other coaches. And you know that like first name basis relationship, I think is big for our you know program. Is everybody has that respect for them? Like we the coaches respect us just as much as we respect them. You know, we all have a great relationship. Mm. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, I forgot to mention Trey Dyson and Matt Williams being up there. Those guys are some characters. <laughs> and Trey, Trey is awesome. He, he's hilarious. Uh, he's, like, he's, at, he's doing a lot of our media stuff, right, a lot yeah. of our, like, little hype videos and stuff, and he absolutely kills it. Like, the ideas he comes up with. Is I think I saw you in one, the good coach, bad coach thing he did. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was fun to film. That was definitely yeah. fun to film. Yeah, that, that, is a, that is a Trey Dyson thing for sure. That dude's an absolute character. And Matt, too, like I said, we're your former teammate. But, uh, no, I'll ask you, man, about this season. You know, North Greenville, like I said, you, you know, you're overall, you're taking care of your business on the field. But I'll, I'll give you a chance to shout out your team and your teammates and kind of what you guys are doing. How do you feel about the uh, the Crusader squad this year and about, you know, obviously the state of your game? How do, how do you feel like overall, you, you know, you're throwing it? And obviously, again, coming back from TJ, I guess this would be your second year off it. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so obviously, I, I think there's a pretty big jump. Um you know, that, that first year, you're kind of getting back into it, figuring out that second year is kind of, I'm sure you feel a lot more comfortable with your with your arm and, and just, you know, back in the flow of things. But overall, again, like I said, I'll give you the floor to talk about your North Greenville squad and how you feel about you guys' team this year. Yeah, we, I, we got a special team. You know, we got a lot of talent on this team and, you know, a lot of, of this brotherhood, man. And I think we're going to do something special up there this year. You know, we got guys. We The numbers that we're putting up this year are unreal. Uh, you know, with me, I'm pitching well, like pitching well enough right now to win. But dude, our hit, we I think we have like one of the best lineups in the state. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that. I'm you know biased to my boys, but uh, you know we got some dudes, mm-hmm. and like our pitching staff is unreal too. And we got a lot of guys there uh, have a chance to. I think we got a lot of guys that are gonna end up playing at the next level at some point. Mm-hmm. Well, Logan, this has been a pleasure, man. Like I said, it's it's been awesome chatting with you. Last thing before I get you out of here. Um, when you look back on, on your time in Columbia, I'll ask you favorite memory, whether it be on field, off field, doesn't even have to be baseball related. Like what's the thing that stands out to you during your time at South Carolina? My favorite memory would definitely be that super regional freshman year, you know, going to Arkansas, you know, for the second time 
Mm. That that experience was unreal, and that's something I'll never forget. For sure. Logan, this has been a pleasure. I mean, like I said, it, I feel like it's been a few years in the making and obviously watching you do what you did in Columbia. And it's, it's great to see you as well, man. Like I said, you know, it, it's, it's always tough. And it, these are kind of some of my favorite conversations when you get to go beyond the field and hear people's struggles and adversity and them overcoming it and going through the injuries and, and coming out on the right side of things. And obviously, like I said, you're doing that with North Greenville, you're doing your thing. And it's been a pleasure. It's been a blast to follow your career from, from afar. And ho hopefully maybe we can get up to Greenville sometime and, and watch the Crusaders and watch yourself do work. But uh, no, seriously, man, this has been a pleasure. And like I said, I know I speak for all Gamecock fans and we say it was, it was a blast to watch you do what you did in Columbia. And it's been great to see you have success at North Greenville as well. And, I think all Gamecock fans want you to tell Coach Powell hi. So, <laughs> but uh, Gamecock legend, man, we get we got to get up there. I, I think they were wanting to do a little uh, little roundtable with 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 LP, Trey Dyson, and Matt Williams. I think that could be a a, a classic of a conversation. So we got to make yeah. that happen at some point. But no, seriously, Logan, it's been a it's been a pleasure chatting with you, man, and wishing up with the best. Wish you best of luck this season for sure. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, dude. Absolutely, he's Logan Chapman. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on episode of the Spurs Up Show. Thank you